0: Welcome to Bangor Community Church Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed today as you hear the Word of God. Today we have Pastor Annette, who's my sister-in-law, Annette Ashworth, up with us. And how that came about was that Brian had asked um, Barry, his brother, to minister in Kingdom Harvest. And it just so happened that Barry and Annette could be available on a weekend, leave their church. They pastored church in Athlone. Um, a church that they had actually started a number of 20 odd years ago. They're, they'd been in America. They're back pastoring there again. So I had said, Well, Barry's going to be at Kingdom Harvest. Yes, bye bye, kids. Have a great time um, this morning. Um, I says, Can Annette come to the Community Church? So let's welcome her this morning. Let's give her a round of encouragement. <clears throat> God has got a great word through Annette for us. Can we just stand and pray for a minute before we start? Thank you, Jesus. God, we open our hearts to you this morning. God, we thank you for your word. God, it is sharp and powerful. It is able to divide between the soul and the spirit. God, I thank you as I speak your word today that our thoughts and our ideas And our feelings and all those things that are contained in the soul are separated from the spirit. God, I pray that you bring understanding and enlightenment. And God, you promised us that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes everything that it was sent to do. And God, we pray today, your kingdom come, your will be done in this service, in this church, and in every person here listening today. And God, I thank you that the word that you are sending forth to each one of us today does not return void, but it accomplishes what you have sent it to do in our hearts today in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. I have a question for you this morning. Is God's grace enough? The Bible says His grace is sufficient, but is that really true? Is it true in your life? Is it true in your life? Is God's grace enough? Is it enough for whatever you're going through, situation, family today? Is His grace enough? for that family situation is his grace enough for the problems that you may be having at work or in your business the struggles is his grace enough for the stress that you may be having in your life or your health young people teenagers is God's grace enough for you for school for exams for assignments Is his grace enough for you, for your social life? Did you know that God made you a social person? Every one of you. He's the one that created us to be social. It was his idea. It wasn't teenager's idea. It was God's idea. He's the one that created us to be social beings. And if you think that your desire for having a social life Increased because you're a teenager because of our society. No. It's how God created you. And his grace is sufficient for loneliness. His grace is sufficient to bring you friends. His grace is sufficient to overcome peer pressure and to walk godly in this world, in this culture that we live in. His grace is sufficient. Is his grace enough, church? To walk you through the things that you go through as a body is his grace sufficient to weather the storms is his grace sufficient for our frustrations and our disappointments and our hurts? yes it is God's grace is sufficient and this morning um, I want to talk to you about grace and you know, we all know that we are saved by grace through faith and not by works, lest any man should boast. But God's grace is so much more even than that. It is so much more. And I hope to minister from God's word today what he has to say about grace in our lives. Grace has three different functions in our life. The first is us receiving God's grace. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the different different expressions of God's grace towards us in different areas of our life that the Word talks about. But also, one of the functions of grace is for us then to steward that grace and to walk in that grace in our lives. And a lot of times we miss that part. We know that God's grace is what saves us. We know that it's sufficient for us in our times of trouble, but we don't understand how we are to walk in his grace. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And then grace should be our motive in life. And as I go through these things, there is no way that I can go through all of them. Uh, This message this morning I condensed over the last three days from a four-hour teaching to 30 minutes. So I have not taken out any points, um, but I've taken out a lot of scriptures um, and a lot of examples and everything. But I felt like there was nothing that I wanted to take out. I feel like that this whole message is going to be compact. Um, Get your pens out. (laughs) Write the scriptures. You don't have to turn to them. But let's just go through all of this and just get a big picture of grace in our lives as Christians. First of all, what is grace? Let's define it. We know we're saved by it. We know it's sufficient for us. Those are the two main scriptures that we all know. Um, Here's just some Some of these are kind of generic definitions. Some of these are definitions the church has given to kind of help us to understand Grace in its simplest form, goodwill, favor, mercy, clemency, a favor rendered by one who doesn't need to do so, to dignify or raise by an act of favor, to honor, temporary immunity or exemption, to reprieve. And then some of the the church definitions that we have of grace is God's unmerited favor, or grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, a gift that you don't deserve. These are all things that we've heard, and you know the world uses the word grace. You know, um, he graced us with his presence. Um, she, she, you know, showed great grace in the, the situation. But what is grace really? The first thing that we need to understand that grace is, is it is part of the character of God. It is who he is. If you don't understand grace, if you're lacking in grace, know God. When you know God, you will begin to understand his grace. When you seek him about grace, he will reveal himself to you. He will reveal that grace that is who he is to you. Ephesians Chapter 1, verse 6 and 7 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. He is rich in grace. He is rich in grace. Psalm 78, 38 talks about how He was compassionate and forgave their iniquities and he didn't destroy them. This is the Old Testament. This is before Jesus came and it's all of his blood. He restrained his anger and did not arouse all of his wrath. You know, God was full of grace even before he sent Jesus. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is a God of grace. For God so loved the world that was His grace, the character of His grace that sent His Son for us. God is, was, and always will be a God of grace. And that is the first thing that we need to know about grace. It is not just uh, an emotion or a state of mind, it is part of God's character. You know, grace is pure. If I was going to describe grace to a chemist, now I'm not super scientific, but I know enough to know that um, a compound is made up of more than one element, right? And, and if I would have thought about it before, I could have written some down, but I didn't, so I'm not going to go there. But an, an, an element is, is pure, It's not mixed with other elements. When it's mixed with other elements, it becomes a compound. And so, if we were to describe grace to a chemist, we would say that it's an element, not a compound. It is pure. And it's never a mixture of divine benevolence and human effort. It's always just divine giving. Our effort has nothing to do with grace. Our part, now, our, grace affects our efforts. And there's things that are part of our lives that are like compounds. And grace is one of those elements in that compound. But grace in itself is pure. And has nothing to do with your human effort. Romans 11:6 says if by it's by grace it is no longer on the basis of works otherwise it is no longer grace if you try to mix your works in with that grace it is no longer grace another thing is grace is not an occasion for sin ever Romans 6 1 and 2 what shall we say then are we to continue in sin that grace might increase may it never be grace is always in harmony with god's other attributes for instance for example he is a just god and he is a holy god grace is not granted at the expense of his holiness or his justice ever we can't say well i have grace so i don't have to walk holy before god now here's the thing grace doesn't set aside the requirements for justice it fulfills them you see because of grace we have been justified Grace is given to the humble. James 4, 6 through 12, it says, he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposed the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, I just want to go through a few expressions of grace. And as I do this, you, were, you will have heard do all of these And I ask you this morning to hear them again with new ears because even if you heard them last week, you're in a different place than you were last week. And hear them as a word from God because they are. This is God's word for you here today. When we come to the house of the Lord, we come always to hear from God. I don't care what song they sing. I don't care if they go off tune. I don't care if they get off balance, which they did none of that today, but or if they sing a song that has the wrong doctrine or isn't your style or it's too loud or it's too soft. I don't care what the preacher's like or even if they're preaching something that's wrong. If they speak one scripture, you can hear from God. If you stand there and you worship God with all of your heart, none of That other stuff matters. And if you've heard it a million times, it doesn't matter. Hear from God today because he has a word for every single one of you. No matter how young you are, no matter how old you are, God has a word today. Saving grace. That is the epitome of God's grace towards us. The work on the cross. What he did there our salvation, and our redemption. Hebrews 2, nine. Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. We don't have to suffer death, separation from God, in eternity because of God's grace towards us. Number two, common grace. I love this one. God's grace isn't just towards us as believers, His grace is upon all men. It's the benevolence which is poured out upon all men, regardless of their spiritual condition. In Matthew 5, verse 44 and 45, it says, He causes His sun to rise on the evil and the good, and He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In fact, this world wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for the grace of God. The sin in this world would have already destroyed it. But God's grace is towards everyone, his common grace. In fact, he is holding back his coming because of his grace so that many would be saved. His grace towards them that have not yet received him. 2 Peter 3 9 says that he's patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's the common grace of God. Securing and standing grace. This grace is the manifestation of God's grace by which we are kept secure in our walk with him despite of sin, despite sin. Romans 5, 1 and 2. It says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have a- obtained our introduction by faith into the grace in which we stand. We don't just get saved by grace, but we stand in grace. And Ephesians says, having done all to stand, stand therefore. How do we do that? In the grace that he has lavished upon us, that grace helps us to stand. Sanctifying grace. That grace um, brings growth and maturity and help us, helps us to be set apart for him. him. First Corinthians 15.10, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all men. Yet not I, but the grace of God within me. Paul was separated by grace. Serving grace. This is given to aid us in our ministry and service to God. Actually, the giftings and callings that are on our lives, which, by the way, every single one of you are gifted and called by God for purpose in this life. And he has graced you with gifts to be able to fulfill those callings. He's not going to call you to do something that he hasn't given you the grace to do. And part of that grace is the gifts that he's given you. The talents. Even the anointing on your life to do a job for him is by grace. Undeserved. Undeserved. The the people out in the world that operate in their gifts and talents, those have been graced to them by God, even though they don't know him, serve him. They are without repentance. That's part of the common grace. He doesn't say, oh, if you don't serve me, you have no talents and can't survive in this life. No, he graces us all. Sustaining grace. This is grace that is given at special times of need when you're going through something extra. It's extra grace. And that's the one where it says, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. When we are weak, when we are struggling, that grace is sufficient. That grace comes in, helps us, helps us, to stand on God's word, helps us to fight the enemy, helps us to speak God's word and make our way, helps us to do what we need to do to be delivered or healed, set free. It's that grace. Provisional grace. That's where God provides everything that we need in this life. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says, I pray that you will know that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, how much is he going to provide for us? All. When is he going to provide to us, for us? At all times. For all things. I think that pretty much covers it. And it says here um, that he makes grace abound to you. That's where that provision comes from, from the grace of God. You don't have to earn it. Yes, there are principles in God's word that we have to follow. We talked about them this morning already when it comes to provision, the the principle of tithing. But you know what? It's God's grace that does it. We're not earning it by paying our tithes. It is God's grace that provides everything that we need. Grace for suffering. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for His sake. That word granted is from the is the verb form of the word gift of grace. Now then, I just want to make a little point here and get on one of my little soapboxes from about suffering. There's different kinds of suffering. I, I lived in a community where they were really big on suffering. Everything, every kind of suffering you went through was caused by God, brought to you by God, so that he could do what he needs to do in your life. And so I studied it really hard. And there, I don't, because I'm not teaching this, I don't have all the notes, but you know, um, there's a place in the Bible that says there's no reward for suffering because you did something stupid. That's if we do something foolish, there's no reward for suffering for that. And there's no grace. <laughs> this grace isn't talking about that. Now, God has grace for you to repent and to help you get back on track. But he doesn't be like, do something stupid and I'll just sustain you through it. Anything that he paid for on the cross and that is covered in redemption is not what he's talking about when he says here um, uh, that it's been granted to us when we suffer for his sake. If he died for me, shed his blood, took stripes on his back, was chastised for my peace. Did all these things so I could walk in the blessing of Abraham. Would he then say, now I have to teach them a lesson, so let me undo all of this and put it back on them to teach him a lesson? No. God has provided everything we need. And he does not need sickness to teach me anything. He's given me his word. any suffering that he paid for on the cross, he does not need to use that to teach me anything because he's given me his Holy Spirit. I do not need to suffer to learn anything. What we suffer for, when the Bible talks about suffering, we suffer for the sake of the word. We suffer because we associate ourselves with Jesus Christ. We suffer in our flesh because of sin and the fight against it. We suffer as good soldiers in Christ. Might you have to give up something that is material to serve God? Yes. That is not the same as poverty that God's given you to teach you a lesson. Might you give your life, your physical body, like the persecuted church? Yes. Yes. For the sake of the gospel, but not for God to teach me a lesson. And when you have to do those things, when you get fired, or sacked, or whatever, because of your stance for God, that's suffering for Christ. And guess what? He provides you another job, or he sustains you with his grace, even financially through that time. If you have to give your life, there will be grace for it. But you know what? You will be giving your life. He will not be punishing you because he needs to teach you a lesson. Option There's grace for persecution and for suffering for the sake of Christ. Now, I suspect that most of us understand about how God's grace abounds towards us, rushes towards us. And helps us in all these things. And I want to go to a deeper level. We are supposed to mirror the character of God as believers. And that means walking out the lifestyle of grace. Psalm 73, verses 1 through 3, it says, Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled and my steps nearly slipped for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Humanly speaking, it is very difficult to give grace to someone who we think is undeserving. Isn't that true? Very gracious, gracious towards somebody, and then they do the wrong thing, and then suddenly we're not so gracious anymore. (laughs) Even as Christians, it's much easier to be judgmental or on a high horse than it is to be gracious when people are wrong or when we think the situation is wrong. Pharisees didn't like Jesus hanging out with the sinners. They hated him for it. The faithful son, in the story of the prodigal, who's not very gracious, was he? Because that boy did not deserve a party. Or to be restored. Matthew, remember the angry laborers who worked all day for a wage? And the master kept asking more people to come all throughout the day, even until the last hour. And then he gave them all the same wage. And those laborers that started at 6 a.m. at sunup were very angry that the ones that just came for the last 30 minutes got the same wage as them. Because they didn't deserve it. Guess what? I always told my kids growing up life's not fair and you don't want it to be fair because every single one of us don't want what we deserve. The wages of sin is death and all have fallen short of the glory of God. But he was full of grace and mercy. And while we were yet sinners, while we still hated him, he died for us. And that is what we need to mirror not only to the world, you guys need to be mirroring that to each other and to your families, the grace of God. All that grace that we just talked about, that it just abounds toward us. You need to be letting that then just be gushing out to everybody around you. Walk in the same grace towards others that you have received from God. Grace is part of God's character and he expects his people to be gracious as well. Grace was personified in the life of Jesus. And it also needs to be manifested in the life of the saints. Ephesians 1.6 He saved us to the praise, the glory of his grace. I believe that one of the main reasons that we don't operate in grace as believers is because we are lacking something. And that is compassion. Compassion Causes grace to be distributed. I'm gonna show you this in the life of Jesus. Matthew nine, thirty-six to thirty-eight, it says when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they faint and they were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, Truly the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest, and he will send forth laborers into his harvest. He was moved with compassion. And I'm not going to list all the scriptures. I'm just going to list some other things that Jesus did when he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion because they were hungry and he fed the people. He had compassion and he healed their sick. He was moved with compassion and he forgave the debt. He was moved with compassion and he was willing, and he made them clean. He was moved with compassion, and he cast out the devil. He had compassion, and he raised the dead boy from the dead. He had compassion, and he helped his neighbor, who was actually his enemy. Because of compassion. He had compassion and received the prodigal. Now, these are all acts of compassion, and grace. He had compassion, and he responded in grace. He had compassion, and he operated in grace. He had compassion, and he distributed grace. John three sixteen, For God so loved that he gave. It's a compound. Love and compassion and grace. Compassion means to have the bowels yearn, to feel sympathy or pity, to be moved. It's an inward affection, tender mercy, and it is it is more than an emotion. It's like you know, wherever you feel your emotions, kind of here, and another part of your soul but compassion is more from here. You can feel sorry for somebody. You can feel sad for them and not have compassion. Compassion is a spiritual thing. And just like love, it's an action. And compassion's action is grace. Grace. As believers, um, believers were first called Christians in Acts 11.22. I don't know if it's the first time, but it's one of the first times, if it wasn't the first. And that word means follower of Christ and disciple. What is a disciple? A disciple is someone who follows the example of their teacher or their master who um, acts like they do. You learn what they do, and then you do it. That's what makes you a disciple. And as disciples, we must see how Jesus acted. And then we must act that way. And we, we, we see that in, in many areas, but so many of us never think about grace when we think about this. And it's very important. Grace is very important. I believe, personally, that grace should be in every foundational Course that you have in church. <laughs> that it should be part of any discipleship class that you do. In Psalm one hundred three, it says that the Lord is merciful and gracious. Now, I did not look up every time that it said "merciful." Sometimes I, I believe that mercy is, is translated something else, but sometimes. Is actually grace. And in this case, it is. That Hebrew word for merciful there is full of compassion. He's full of compassion down here. And then it caused him to extend grace. He gets the compassion and he extends the grace. We need to get compassion and extend grace. In Ephesians 3, 2, it says, If you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given given me toward you, that word dispensation means it's administration or stewardship. God has given grace to us, and we are to steward it and dispense it. We live in the dispensation of grace on this earth right now. What that does not mean is that we just keep receiving grace from God because if that's all it was, he could extend his grace towards us, take us home, and it would be over. But the dispensation of grace has to do with a time where we steward that grace and then give it out to others. 1 Corinthians 4 tells us that it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And we usually think of that in terms of money. But God has given us so much more. And we need to be faithful in stewarding the grace that he has given us. We are to become conduits of his grace. It should just flow through us. I need help over here. God gives it to me. And now I minister grace over here to somebody else. Might not be for the same thing. Now, I just want to go through quickly some areas where we um, need to operate in grace in our lives. The first one is in our speech. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. When we speak, we should be ministering grace to people around us. Proverbs says it this way, the tongue has the power of life and death. The stakes are high. Life or death. Life Or death. We can build up or we can tear down with our tongues. We can heal or we can hurt. And gracious speech is necessary as a witness to the world. Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6, it says, Walk in wisdom to them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech Be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. We need grace and forgiveness. You know, we receive forgiveness through the grace of God. We also need to walk in that same grace towards other people in our lives. The greatest opportunity to manifest grace is by granting forgiveness to those who sin against us, and it's probably the hardest. It's it's hard to forgive someone that hurt you, right? We can forgive people for doing stuff to other people. <laughs> it's harder when they did it to us. It's harder when they're doing it. We don't wait until they've said sorry to forgive them. While we were yet sinners, Christ offered a way for us to be forgiven, knowing that we might not respond. Your forgiveness, that grace, needs to be offered if forgiveness is never sought after. It doesn't have anything to do with the other person. It has to do with the grace of God inside of you. Matthew 5, 43, you've heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Therefore, you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that word perfect means complete. And you know, we have the Holy Spirit living on inside of us and we operate. We can, all of us operate in all the fruits of the Spirit because they're there. And we have been made in his likeness, remade in his likeness. And for us to be complete, we need to walk in forgiveness. We need to walk in grace in all of these areas. Grace can only show forgiveness where sin or an offense has occurred. So the only time you're going to actually get to dispense this type of grace is if somebody hurts you or sins against you. Romans 5.21, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And we usually apply that to, you know, well, this is a sinful situation and God's grace is going to help us to get through it. Or, you know, I've messed up really bad, so I'm going to have extra grace. That's true. But it also means you're going to have more grace to forgive the more somebody sins against you. And you need to be prepared for that. When you are hurt, when you've been done wrong by, just like Jesus coming on the cross is the epitome of grace towards us, us forgiving others is the epitome of us walking in God's grace. Grace and confession and reconciliation. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, that the prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working, that you might be healed and restored. This has nothing to do with your justification in Christ. You have an unshakable standing with God if you've given your life to him. James is writing... To Christians who have already been reconciled to God through the death of Jesus. So, what does that mean to be restored? It's not talking about being restored to God, it's being restored to your brother or sister, to your mother, to your father, to your children, to your boss, whoever. Um, Restoration is the act of coming away from our sinful acts. And part of that, sometimes, needs to be to be restored in a relationship. If straying off the narrow path and falling to the hole of ground, if that's sin, then restoration is getting out of the hole and back onto that path. And sometimes that takes going to somebody and maybe it's confessing a fault that doesn't have anything to do with them. Because in that confession, even though you confess it to the Lord and he redeems you and he's faithful and just to forgive, it's just a biblical principle. I don't know why. I have kind of a vague idea why the lights come on when I want to turn the thing. I know it has to do with electricity and wires and science, right? But I know that it's a principle that if I turn the light on, the switch, if I flip the switch, the light's going to come on. If I confess my fault to somebody, I'm going to be healed. And there is grace for that. Now, be careful you. <laughs> you need to, to do it with a, a pastor or a church leader or somebody that you love and trust. But um, you're not wallowing in your sin. You're just making things right. Um, in Matthew it says, five, twenty-three and 24, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, you leave your gift before the altar and go your way. You don't even give your gift until you go to that person who has something against you. Now, it doesn't say that you've sinned against. You might have sinned against them, and that's why they have something against you. Or they might just have something against you. It doesn't matter. If you, realize, if you remember, oh, somebody has something against me, I need to go and make it right. Now, it doesn't even say that they're going to forgive you or like you or let you off the hook or anything else. That's not your responsibility. Your responsibility is allow the grace of God to operate through you and go to them and say, listen, I know you're upset with me. Can we make this right? And God's grace gives you the ability to do that. And then you just leave the rest to God. See, there's only two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And in Matthew twenty two forty, it says that all the commandments hang on these two commandments. That means that, that word hang means attached. The commandments without love are religion and useless. I believe that when we learn to walk in love and compassion and grace as the body, that it's gonna, it will bring breakthroughs that we've been praying for. You see, love is not just a nice soft topic. Love is the most powerful topic. Grace in giving. I'm almost done. We want you to know, brothers, this is uh, Colossians 8, 1 through 9, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches. I'm not going to read all of this, but basically this church didn't have very much. And they were full of grace. And they gave not only what their means was, that, but they gave beyond their means. Because of the grace of God that was on their lives and Um, says that uh, for us to excel in this act of grace as well for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus that though he was rich for your sakes he became poor so that you might by his poverty become rich and there is a grace in giving both financially and of yourself beyond what you have and what you're able, that God gives. And Paul says to, to act on this grace, grace in service. Now, we talked earlier that we, we get our gifts for serving, and we are graced to serve. Okay? This is different. This is, I can, I can be um, graced to pastor and have the gifts for pastoring, I can teach, I can preach, I can call on people and visit them and pray for them and believe for them and stand with them. I can administrate things and I can have all these gifts and I can be operating in them because of the grace towards me. But I can do it very ungraciously. Maybe only ungraciously on some days. But it's in grace that God wants us to walk in in our gifts and callings, in our service to each other. God wants you to be a cheerful giver. That's grace. That's grace. He wants you to operate in grace as you serve him and as you serve the body of Christ and you serve those people around you. I, you know, the, Jesus said he who wants to be the greatest among you must become the servant of all. But I kind of suspect if you're not a very gracious servant, you're not going to become very great. Does that make sense? I mean, it's that gracious serving. See, God gives grace to the humble, and there's a humility in our service that allows us to be gracious. And when we do that, then we can become all that God has called us to be. Being great doesn't mean being... Uh, important. Being great means fulfilling everything that he's called you to do. I'm, I'm not going to do the rest of these because time is out, but motivation for worship should be our motivation for communion. We don't take communion, we don't get right so that we can take communion. We take communion because of the grace of God and it motivates us. Um, this is a different Uh, section, what what motivates us. We are motivated to worship God because of grace. We are motivated to take communion because of grace. We are motivated to pray because of grace. Um, And this morning, um, as we finish, I just want to pray for you. And I believe that um, God gave me a word during worship, From Job 38 and says, The Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and by work. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man, and I will question you, and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? And then let me just find that. over in verse forty again he says, Now prepare chapter forty verse seven, now prepare yourself like a man, I will question you and you will answer me. Would you indeed annul my judgment? Would you condemn me that you may be justified? Have you an arm like God, or can you thunder with a voice like his and adorn yourself with majesty and splendor? This word, would you indeed annul my judgment, and would you condemn me that you would be justified? You know, I don't care if it's because We know somebody who died that was sick, that was believing God for healing. I don't care if you have bitter disappointment in your life about something and you feel like maybe it's God's fault. I don't care how your life is going. Do not annul his judgment so that you can be right. Many times we say, well, I don't think it really means that because, and then we tell our experience or somebody else's experience. God's word is not based on our experience. And whatever it is that you're going through today, God wants you to know his grace is sufficient. Do not annul his word. His grace is sufficient. Stand with me. God, I thank you that your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient in the lives of these young people. I don't care how dark this world is. I don't care how much social media there is. Your grace is sufficient. And parents, I want to tell you, stop saying you hate that your children have to be brought up in this time in history. This is where God put them. And his grace is sufficient. He will protect them. He will lead them. He will guide them. He has plans for their life, and they are here. For such a time as this. He has something for them to do in this generation. So stop being afraid. Yes, it's a crazy, crazy world out there. But we are not of those who back down and quit. God, we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Jesus. We sang about God being unshakable this morning. But there are things that are shakable. And the Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken, so that which remains cannot be shaken. And no, God does not put sickness on you to teach you a lesson, but he will shake things out of your life that shouldn't be there so that you can be strong and steady and fulfill what we have to do in these end times. It is getting close, and there is a job to do. There is a job to do. There are lost to be saved. And as a church, God has called you. He has kept you. And he has a job for you to do your part in these end times. Allow God to shake those things in your life that need to be shaken. Thank you for joining us. We look to God that he will direct your steps in blessings through this week. For more information, visit us at bangercommunitychurch.co.uk or find us on Facebook.